Hi. So I know a lot of you, but not all of you. So if I don't know you, my name is Mur, short for Mirachelle, super long. So I tell everyone gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and I say it every time I come up because it's just weird. So that's my name. Okay, well, it's awesome to be back with you ladies. It has been an interesting time in my life since the last time I spoke, which was spring. Um, But I'll share on some of those changes in a little bit. But first, how was Sarah? Okay, did we like it? Were we challenged? Were we like, eh? Feedback? Okay, 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 so we're ready. So what about tonight? Are you, did you guys come prepared? Did you come pumped for Jesus? Have we come to hear from him? Yes, good. Let's pray really quick. Lord, we thank you for this time tonight. And God, we willingly open our hearts and our minds to you. And Father, I pray right now that your word would penetrate. Your word would have effect and would bring change, comfort, and conviction, Lord, as you see fit, Lord. Bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. So, does anybody know how many different texts we had on Sarah? Any guesses? One, two. We had five. Okay, that's a lot. So, especially if you're teaching here, it's a lot to cover. Um, So, I'll ask for a little bit of leeway, Miss Debbie, just a little bit extra time. Not much, but a lot. It's a lot to cover. So I thought today we would kind of, really tonight, we would kind of take more of a broad survey of Sarah and the things we have studied. Um, And during our time tonight, I really kind of want to centralize one point. I really want to focus on one topic, and that's this idea of promise. We are going to talk a lot about promise tonight. And um, to be honest, I really want to share this is going to be less of a teaching. It's going to be really more of a word of encouragement, a word of exhortation. So do you have study guides? Does anyone need a study guide? Does everyone have what they need? Raise your hand if you don't have one. Are we all equipped? Okay. So before I go forward, I think you, you need one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't be embarrassed. Girl, raise your hand. Ms. Rita, I got one up in the front. Anybody else? Okay, so you, just so you know, I want you guys to know in advance, you have a study guide, we'll fill it out together, I'll tell you what to write in, but also, you will also find a list, okay, we got two, okay, three, four, yes, get the word of God. So we'll fill out that study guide, but also, I'm going to go through a gazillion Bible verses, and I don't want your hands to cramp. Feel free to write a novel, I'm okay with that, but if you don't want to write a novel, all the scripture references are already listed, so in case I go too fast, because I can talk fast, um, you have them. You already have them, okay? Okay, so where are we? All right, so we're going to do some personal testimony, blah, 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 blah. Okay, catching up. <laughs> All right, we're going to start today in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. I just want you guys to know ahead of time that I'm going to be reading the text in the NIV translation tonight, so if it sounds a little bit different than what you're used to, that's why. There's some things I want to pull out specifically from this translation, so I will be reading to you. Let's pick it up in verse 1. And it says, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
So Abram went, and the Lord, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75, note that he's 75 years old, when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So we see in our passage tonight that God seriously makes some staggering promises, right? That's a lot to tell somebody, right? There's a lot here, and I'm going to recap them and um, tell you what they are just as a We'll call this little package promise number one. But to recap, God promises to make Abraham into a great nation. He promises to bless him, to make his name great, to bless those who bless him, and to curse those who curse him. That all peoples on earth will be blessed through him. And I love Abe's response. It's, I'm sorry, I'm just calling him Abe. I hope that's okay. Abe's response is obedience. Verse 4 says, so Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Um, and really quickly, just to sidetrack, I just, I looked up just kind of a simple definition for the word promise, just so we're kind of on the same page. I didn't get too technical. I'm not technical tonight, but just a, simple, a simplistic definition for the word promise is assurance that someone will definitely do, give, or arrange something to undertake or declare that something will happen. So we just looked at that bundle of promises that God you know, tells Abraham, and then we see Abraham's responses. He's obedient. Now jump down with me to verse six, and we're, we're going to find promise number two. So verse six says, Abram traveled through the land as far as the site as the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram, and he said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So in verse 7, we see God promises Abraham's offspring some land. What's Abe's response? Okay, he worshiped, and now, or he was obedient. And now we see that he's worshiping. Verse 7 says, so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now this promise that God made to Abraham for land is very personal for me. It parallels a promise that the Lord had given me 10 years ago. When my husband Noah and I returned back from Costa Rica as missionaries, we didn't have much. We had sold just about everything before we left. So when we came back, we didn't really have a whole lot. And um, one day my husband pulled me aside and he said, Hey, Mer, I want to share a verse with you. Uh, I feel like the Lord was giving to us as a promise. And so I'm going to have the sound ministry, Miss Jerry. She's going to bring up for you a scripture. Let's see if I can get out of the way. And it's 2 Samuel chapter 7. This is my Bible. My dad gave it to me when I was like 10, and I've had it forever. So this is my Bible, and, and you'll see in verse 10, it says, And I will provide a place for my people, Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. And you can look, I don't know if you can see, but right down here, you can see the date. 9407. So that's what, September, right? Yeah, September 4th, 2007. Okay. So we had no clue when this promise would take place, but the desire, the promise, the longing was birthed in our hearts that day for a home of our own. But this promise of a home didn't come without some serious testing. We're going to pick up our text now and we're going to start in verse 10. It says, now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. 
And as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know that you're a beautiful woman. What a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they're going to kill me and let you live. Say you're my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarah was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abe, I keep saying Abraham, but Abram well for her sake. And Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. You just got to have camels, right? I mean, if you're going to go down Egypt, you need camels. Absolutely. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So, so Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that I would, so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here's your wife, take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. So this is going to bring us to our very first point on your study guide. Point number one is the promise of God is usually tested. So your fill in the blank is the word tested. The promise of God is usually tested. All right. So notice with me again in verse 10. It says, now there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. Okay. So Abram encounters a famine, a severe one at that. And it's something he couldn't control. We have an external circumstance at play here, right? And oftentimes God will send or he'll allow for external circumstances to test our resolve and our belief and the fulfillment of the promise. Like many of you, my husband and I also endured that crazy financial famine that hit back in 2007. Do you all remember that? Yeah, it was wild, right? It was crazy. We were actually getting ready to come back to the United States, you know, in that time in May, 2017. And before we left, it was interesting. The Lord actually spoke to me in Jeremiah and he says, you're going back to the famine, going back to a famine. The famine hadn't even hit yet. So we had this like little heads up, like, okay, this is going to be kind of crazy. So we were without work and, and steady income for years. Um, but interestingly, um, this brings up a question like, okay, so we're going back to a famine. We we, get, we come home, we get this promise for a home, and how is that going to be possible when our external circumstances looked so bleak? What were we going to do when all you have is 75 cents in your bank account, let alone money to buy a mortgage or have a mortgage, right? What are you going to do? You know, it's a lot going on. How is God going to make Abe the father of many nations when Sarah's hanging out with Pharaoh, right? God uses external circumstances, and he uses them to draw out the areas of our character that need sharpening, that need growth, and that need that stretching, right? So I'm going to give you an example. External circumstances have an interesting way of shaping and sweetening the arrival of the promise. So I want you gals to flash forward with me. It's now about eight years since we've been back. It's 2014, and the Lord has graciously provided for my husband a steady job and with a great company. And a good friend of ours gave us the inside track on a small starter home that hadn't come on the market yet. So we're like, hmm. So we decided, we were excited and we decided that we were going to pray. We looked at our finances and it was clear that we were going to need both our state and federal 
tax returns to have a shot at even having a down payment. Okay, we looked, we were excited, we prayed, how is this going to work? Okay, we really need to get these re- tax returns of if, if this is going to be even a possibility for us. So at the time, women's ministry here at Calvary Vista was going through the book of Isaiah. And as I made my way through the homework, I felt the Lord begin to speak through my heart in the word. And, and this is what I read. And this is, I feel like he was just, he had something about this particular home. And it was Isaiah seven eleven, And it said, ask the Lord your God for a sign. I was like, okay. And then later on, verse 14 says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Okay, you have my attention, Lord. The next day, I picked up where I was in the Word, and I, was, I love Psalms. I read them almost daily, and Psalm 86 was where I was. And verse 17 said, give me a sign of your goodness. So now I'm like, wow, okay. And then that night, we do Bible, st- Bible um, time with our kids, and we read the little you know, children's Bible. And guess what? We opened the Bible, and guess what it was on? It was on Gideon and the fleece. I was like, okay, this, this is, okay, you just bring it. And there was more scripture, but I don't have time to share all those. It was just like, okay, I got you, Lord. So with all that, we really felt that God was leading us to ask him for a sign, to set out some kind of fleece of some sort. But it needed to be something for us. It needed to be something miraculous. It needed to be something that was of him, that was clearly his doing and not us. So we just kind of prayed about and thought about, well, what would be appropriate? And so we decided that for us, the fleece would be, well, if both our federal and our state tax refunds came in on the exact same day, this would be our fleece. This would be our sign to move forward on this house. Now, I've been doing our taxes for 16 years. I have never had them come on the same day. They're always at least at the closest a week or two apart sometimes even months apart. It's just how it's never happened. So for us, that would be our fleece. That's what we would, we would look for. So what do you think happened? Do, 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 do. Outcome. My tax refunds came exactly one day apart. One. And I did some digging and I realized I went back to my records and I looked at when they were sent. Those taxes were actually sent the same day, but they arrived one day apart. Now that's close, right? But was it exact? Was it the fleece? Was it an answer? It was an answer, but the answer was no. It wasn't his will. It wasn't his will. We asked for a sign. He gave it and we respected it. It was no. And it was tough, but it was right. Sometimes God says no so that he can grant a greater and later yes. Sometimes God says no so that he can grant a greater and later yes. External circumstances can be used to test our belief in the promise that God has given us. But what about the internal? What about our flesh? How can we get in the way of the fulfillment of the promise? So we're going to look back. We're going to get in the word and let's turn to Genesis chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 1 and we're going to look for some answers. And I can read it to you. You can turn there. I'll read it to you. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So 
after Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarai, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. What a mess, right? That's a hot mess. So with what happened with Pharaoh earlier, you think things may have been different this time, but no, they weren't. Things were not, they were a different struggle, but not so much. This brings us to point number two. The fulfillment of the promise of God can be complicated by our flesh. Your fill in the blank is complicated and flesh. Now, have you girls ever tried to help God out? Have you tried to take things into your own hands to hurry things along a little? <laughs> have you produced an Ishmael instead? I really think we could talk at nauseum about the messes we've all gotten ourselves into trying to help God. And I know, gals, you've examined this in your homework a little bit, so I'm not going to touch too much on it. But instead, I actually want to draw your attention to something in verse 2. I'm going to read this phrase to you in several translations. The first is the NIV, and it says, The Lord has kept me from having children. King James Version. The Lord hath restrained me. ESV. The Lord has prevented me. And the Hebrew definition there is to restrain, to retain, to close up, to shut, to withhold, refrain, to stay, to detain. Okay? God intentionally kept Sarah from having a baby. Which brings us to point number three. The promise of God often includes a season of waiting and perseverance. Waiting and perseverance. <clears throat> okay. How painful it is when God keeps us from the fulfillment of the promise. How agonizing, how confusing it can be. You must feel like that, that proverb, hope deferred, makes the heart sick, right? It, it can be tough. Those are the times that can try our souls, and last time I taught was last spring. I was in this season of waiting and, and, and trying to persevere. And I wish I had more time to really talk about this and comment on the struggle and the heart and the mud and all that. But for the sake of time, I have to move forward. So I want you to keep in mind, it's been about two years now since the fleece on that starter home, okay? It's now summer of 2016, and some radical things had taken place, and circumstances in our lives had kind of just, you know, shaped up a little bit. And in, in, in the span of one month's time, my husband received a raise at work and a bonus. Awesome. Okay, praise the Lord. And on July 24th, 2016, I remember reading this on Facebook, and I'm going to actually have my wonderful sound ministry. They're going to bring up photo number two. And it says, quote, and I'll get out of the way for you and I'll read it to you. But it says, God can do in a split second what might otherwise take you many years. God can do it like that. He can do it in a split second. And I'm curious, does someone need to hear that today? I know I did. I still need to hear it. <laughs> but God can do in a split second what might otherwise take you many years years. The very next day, I received a call from a family member stating that they wanted to gift us some funds to help towards the down payment. What in the world? That's never happened to me. I mean, I hear people, I'm like, praise the Lord. God bless you. That does not happen with me. But it happened here. And I was like, 
really? No way. And I, I just was beside myself and I was like, yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I felt like the Lord was really beginning to set the stage and really just giving us, you know, the bonus, the raise, the funds. He was just it felt like he was just getting the green light after green light after green light to move forward with the purchase of a home. So we actually began looking over the next, you know, you know, six months or so. And we, we had a few contenders. Um, there's great, some good homes out there, but for whatever reason, they just weren't quite right. And finally, we found one that just seemed ideal. And I was like, look, no, look, 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 it's got an open house tomorrow. Let's go. So we got first thing, we dragged our two kids and we went. And by the time we got there, that house had multiple offers on it and above asking price. And we just couldn't compete. We could not compete. But we could watch and we could pray, right? We could watch and we could, we could pray about it. Things fall out of escrow all the time. It happens. And you know, I mean, if God wants to do something, he'll do it. I mean, it belongs to him, right? I mean, he, you know, the owner of a, you know, a thousand, hill and a thousand, what is it? The owner of a, thank, thank you. I always get that one confused, but that's okay. And so it's like, you know, if God be for us, who can be against him? If God wants to do something, who's going to stand in his way? So it's like, yeah, okay, let's just pray and we'll just see. So I took a picture of the house and I stuck it on my fridge and I just started to pray and to pray and to pray. And then one night my husband and I went on a hot date and we decided that we were going to like stop at the house at night. And the owner was gone. They already vacated the premises. We were not peeping toms, lurking, going like, uh, they had already left. So we decided, let's just go look at the property. And so we go, <clears throat> we pull up front and we just walk up to the door and we just lay our hands on the door and we just pray. And we're like, Lord, we know that if this is your will, you'll make it happen. If you want to, nothing can stand in your way. God, we ask for a miracle. And we just prayed together, and it was sweet, but then it started getting cold. So we went back in the car, and we just dragged out our Bibles, and we dragged out all the scripture that God had given us, and we started to just read them and refresh and just pray and look at them. And it was just a sweet time as a couple. It was, it was just awesome. and that We loved that house. We could totally envision our lives there. Um, but more importantly, we wanted God's best. We wanted that house, yes, but we wanted God's will most of all, even if that meant a closed door. You know, we'll find out. So, okay, so we're in this mode of prayer, waiting and waiting on the Lord, and then a couple weeks, you know, go by, and then I was sitting at the parking lot of Costco when I got the call. Dun, 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 drum roll, please. And the house had sold. <gasps> and immediately, immediately, God spoke to my heart through the Holy Spirit. And he said, Mer, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. I know you wanted that house. I know you saw your life there. But lean not on your own understanding. Don't do it. But acknowledge me and I'll direct your path. And I was like, okay. Yes, sir. Got it. Amen. Let's go. Yes, that hurts. It was hard, but it was right because we wanted his will most of all, even if it meant to close the door. Awesome. But over the next few months, my heart began to faint and I felt discouraged with continual closed doors. Housing prices had risen. Interest rates had risen. Inventory was low. And we were priced out of the market. 
it looked bleak. It looked bleak. It was a barren time like it was for Sarai. And I am a big fan of Streams in the Desert. I read it often. So that day, I broke it out, and I opened it, and I read it, and it happened to have the scripture today from Numbers 21:17, which says, Spring up, O well, and sing ye unto it. And I was like, you're right. This is a perfect time to praise him in the desert. Perfect time. And underneath that scripture, the commentary, part of the commentary read, the river of blessing that flows all through our lives and we only have to reach by faith and to praise and praise to find our wants supplied in the most barren of deserts. Now they sang upon the sand their songs of faith and with their staff of promise, they dug their well. And our praise will still open fountains in the desert. Amen. And I think that's physical as well as spiritual, if anything more so than the spiritual. You know, God still wants to open fountains in the desert, you know, internally, not just externally. And then, or Psalm 95 puts it, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and with song. Is that you today? Do you need to praise him in the desert? Do you need to spring up a well? Is that you? Is that me? Do we need to spring up and do we need to sing ye unto the thing? Do we need to praise the Lord and let him create? Isaiah says to create praise on our lips. Sometimes it's easy to praise the Lord and it comes from our heart and it's beautiful. But there are those times where it's like, I can't muster it, Lord. I can't. Would you create the praise on these lips? Because I need to worship you regardless of how I feel. Because your word trumps emotion every time. And let me praise you now while it hurts and while it costs me. Let the praise in my mouth edify you and extol you, Jesus. You are worthy. You are worthy. So to recap point number three. The promise of God often includes a season of waiting and perseverance. Now, this I want you gals to hear me on. I love this. This is not me. I got from somewhere. It says, God, often God delays purposely. And this is key right here. And the delay is just as much an answer to your prayer as it is the fulfillment when it comes. The delay is just as much an answer to your prayer as is the fulfillment when it comes. The hours of waiting that tried your soul are the hours of spiritual growth and development that you're not going to get anywhere else but right then and right now in that season, in those conditions. Let's move on to Genesis 17, verse 1. In fact, I'm going to have you guys listen to it in the NIV translation because there's something I want to capture in that translation. Okay. So Abraham now is 99 years old. And it says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Amen. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. And what does Abe do? He falls face down. I love that. Like he's always falling face down. I love it. I love it. He's just a worshiper. Notice how the NIV says in verse 2, I will confirm 
my covenant. Confirm my covenant. Now remember, God gave this initial promise back in Genesis 12, right? And this brings us to point number four in your study guide. The promise of God can be reconfirmed. I know that sounds simplistic. We're going to draw it out. The promise of God can be re, God bless you, can be reconfirmed. Thank goodness. Does someone want to say thank goodness on that? Thank goodness. Because I think sometimes we just want a little reassurance, right? Do we just need a little reassurance that we're actually following where he leads? So he reconfirms the thing. He reconfirms the word. He reconfirms the promise. Praise the Lord. But other times, I think the Lord reconfirms to draw out our hearts, to draw out what's deep inside. And I want to explain that with this. All throughout this house journey, God has been faithful to confirm and reconfirm one simple message to me. I will keep my promise. Over and over. Every time I'd see something to the effect of that in the word, I would write it down. I started filling up papers and I finally got a journal just so I could keep up with him. You know, over and over and over. I will confirm, I will keep my promise. And I was like, amen, Lord. And it became our mantra. It became our theme together. It was relationship. I will keep my word. I will keep my promise, Mer. Amen, Jesus. Well, I started noticing an uptick in the amount of times I was seeing this same message. I will keep my promise. And I got, I thought I would just maybe give you guys just a small sample of some of the things I was seeing so it makes a little more sense. And this is like a short period of time. This is like two days, three days. Psalm 145, 13. The Lord always keeps his promise. Romans 4.21, whatever promise he is bound by, he is able to make good. Hebrews 10.23, God can be trusted to keep his promise. I love this next one. Psalm 138.2, your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. Psalm 146.6, he keeps every promise forever. Now, don't get me wrong. It's completely awesome to hear the Lord speak, right? It's encouraging to our hearts. Who doesn't love that just confirmation of the promise? But I was kind of like, okay, God. All right, I got it. Loud and clear. Roger that. Check. But the same verses just kept showing up again and again and again in my quiet time. Now, just so you know, timeline-wise, it's now last April of 2017, okay? It's been a good 10 years since God gave us that initial promise back when we came back from Costa Rica in 2007. And I was reading the, streams the, I was reading the uh, devotional in Streams and Desert that day when this phrase caught my attention. I'm going to read it to you. I want you to listen. This is what I read in Streams and Desert that day. It says, let it be told and retold and still retold. That's verbatim. I quoted that. Just like God was retelling me. Until, this is awesome, hope rises to conviction, okay? And conviction to certitude of knowledge. Amen? Read that again because I had to read that like 50 times to make sure I got it. Until hope rises to conviction and conviction to certitude of knowledge. And then my mind began racing through all the promises that God had given us. How many? And I just, the pages of them, they all just started flooding my mind. There were a lot of them. (laughs) But as I pondered them, 
the Lord spoke to my heart in just complete gentleness. And he said, do you believe me? Do you believe me? Do you believe him? Oh man, it felt like my heart just broke in a thousand pieces and the conviction just fell. I was like, well, Lord, I, th- I, thought, I, I thought I did. You know, in genuineness, I, th- I thought I was. But did I really? Like deep down inside. Now he is the God of the impossible, but did he want to do the impossible for me? Who am I? Like seriously. And I wish I had a time. I would love to go into the junk and the Lord, the things the Lord had to pull out of my heart and reveal. But I can't right now. But I have to tell you guys, I felt challenged to the core. And if I'm being honest and laid bare before you, I felt ashamed. I felt ashamed. And I prayed. And I said, God, forgive me. And I said, God, the disciples said, increase my faith. So I asked, increase my faith. I said, help my unbelief. And really, I said, Lord, search my heart and pull out whatever is in there that doesn't believe you. I don't really know totally why, but there's something in there. Search me and know me so we can get this thing to the surface and we can deal with the thing. Because I don't want to stay like that. I don't. Search me, Lord, and know me. Over the next few days, God was gracious with me and my failings. So what does God do in God fashion? (laughs) He's just awesome. He confirmed his heart and he confirmed his word. And I'll read you what he said to me. Deuteronomy 30, 20. The Lord is your life and he will be with you. Guess where? And the land you have been promised. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Luke 1, 45, which I know is in your study this week, ladies, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. And Titus 1, 2, this is good. God that cannot lie promised. Amen? Either he's a liar or he's not. And what am I saying? What does my heart say? God that cannot lie promised. So praise God, he reconfirms his word for our sakes, Right? Amen. Okay, let's return to the word. And I'm going to read to you gals Genesis um, chapter 18, verse 9. This is where Abraham gets those three visitors, right? So it says, where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him, referring to Abraham. There, in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself. And I always wondered, like, what kind of laugh it was. Was she going, <laughs> or was she like, <laughs> like, don't you just wonder? Like, I wonder, like, you get the inferences and like, what kind of laugh was it? Was it just a little bit or was it huge? I don't know. But I always wonder. It always makes me wonder, like, what, how did she laugh? I want to hear. So... So she laughed to herself as she thought, after I am, you know, worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why is Sarah, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Okay, wow. I wish I had time to just delve into when the promise just looks nothing like we thought it would, and our expectations for what it was going to be was not. And I had that, tons of it. And I wish I had time to tell you what happened and how I responded and the heart junk that came out and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, but I don't. Because we have 30 minutes and I have to go quick. But I wish I could because there's so much rich stuff. But I will say this. There was a time where the Lord said, you need to put the thing back on the altar. You need to put it back on the altar. You need to put it back on the altar and trust the Lord. And the last thing I'll say is, wait well. Wait well. God's choice, hear me ladies, God's choice is always the best choice. God's choice is the God's best God's choice is God's best. Amen. So verse 14 says, is anything too hard for the Lord? I'll return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. This brings us to point number five. The promise of God often includes the miraculous. The promise of God often, not always, but often includes the miraculous. Okay. Okay. So timeline wise, here we are. It's now late June of last year, okay? So that's what, like six, seven months ago? It's late June of last year. And both my kitties are at VBS for the first time ever. And I get a split second of freedom to just do whatever I want. I think one day I got my nails done, like my toenails, because they needed to be done. And then the next time, I had this just breakfast with a just super awesome friend of mine. I just love her. She's dearly loved, and she's the bomb. So anyway, she came hungry as did I. And she came more, you know, came, came with more than a, an empty stomach. She came with a word. And she said, hey, have you had, got anything on the house? I'm like, oh, not really. She's like, well, I got something for you. She says, I have studying and I wanted to share this with you. And it's Isaiah 30 verse 18, which says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. It was a verse that God had shared with me along the way too. So it's just another confirmation of his word. Yes, and amen, Lord. And I was just geared up to receive just this exhortation of keep waiting, hang in there, you got it. And I was open to that. I was, I'm good, I'll take it, you know. But she exhorted me otherwise and she said, God is waiting too. He is waiting with you. He's waiting with you. Just like he's waiting with you. This isn't just some passage of time that doesn't mean anything. There's a longing involved and there's a reason for the wait. And I was like, amen. You know, I I received that. Amen. And right then and there, I got a phone call from my hot husband. He's hot. He is. I I don't know. It's God's grace. I'm serious. Uh, I'm totally serious. Anyways. So I get a call from my husband. He says, hey, hey, I got to tell you something, but I can't tell you right now because I got to go into a meeting. And I was like, what? You can't do that. I mean, amen. You can't do that. And our house, you know what we call that? We call that popcorn. You dangle this thing out and then you bring it in. We call it popcorn. And he totally popcorn. And I was like, no, that is not okay. So anyways, we get together now. It's like, you know, the afternoon, the kids are asleep. He's done with his meeting and he called and he says, well, I have to tell you something. I'm like, I'm listening. What is it? You want to tell me at breakfast? You can tell me now. So what's going on? He said, Mur, 
I just had my review at work, and you're not going to believe what happened. No, I'm not. Please tell. He said, I got a 14% raise today. What? Did I hear that right? 4%? That's awesome. 4% is great. Wow, praise God. No, no, no. 14. 14. And they gave me a bonus to boot. What? And I almost killed over it. I just went, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> You know? It's like the hysteria came out. Because, like, how is that possible? I know I heard that, right? But is that really happening? Uh. But it was true. I couldn't believe it. And I wish I had, there was some more to that story. But I have to cut it out because I have to move forward. Debbie's going to get mad at me. So, anyways. So, what happened? Okay, we get a bonus. I've got to turn my page. Where am I? Okay. Uh, gals, remember, yes, remember, God can do in a split second what would otherwise take us years to do, right? Would take us years to do. We can now be somewhat competitive in the housing. I mean, somewhat. Okay, let's not get crazy. It's crazy over here, out here, right? We could be somewhat competitive when we were previously priced out of the market. So God's word the very next day. He just, when he speaks, he just wants to speak. And this is what he said, Proverbs 10, 5. He says, because I was good. I was like, Lord, we can wait until it's like winter time when prices come down. I'm okay with that. I will follow you. But no, this is what he said. Proverbs 10, 5. He says, a wise youth harvests in the summer. That was an apt word for us. Psalm 37, 22. Those the Lord blesses will possess the land. Ephesians 5, 16. Make the most of every opportunity. And then here it is again, Luke 45 and 20. But I'm going to read it in a different translation. They call this the Greek, the Greek version, but it's cool. It says, there shall be a performance. My words shall be fulfilled in their season. And it means right there that they're fixed appointed time. Fixed appointed time. Like Sarah, the time of fulfillment had come. Finally. Ten years. Whew. Finally. Okay. Genesis 21. Let's finish strong. Genesis 21, verse 1. We can't get to the end. I'm not going to popcorn you gals. You got to see what happened, right? So now the Lord was gracious to Sarah. Let's check this out. As he had said. Are you catching, me, catching that with me? As he had said. And the Lord did for myrrh. I mean Sarah, I mean you, right? He did what he had promised. And Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him, right? God is never late, ladies. Not even five minutes, not even one. He is never late. Late. So we were pre-approved for a higher loan amount, right? Which allowed us to expand our horizons just a little bit. And I found two homes, okay? Two. And one of which, ladies, can I just say, had a price drop of $20,000. And an open house the next day. You better believe we went. Okay, so we walked in. Beautiful home. Nicest neighborhood we had been in. And it just felt like something's not right. I don't know what it is. It's a beautiful home. We actually desired to be in that neighborhood. But something wasn't right. It just didn't resonate. I was like, okay. Then the second home, I couldn't stop thinking about it. It didn't have an open house, but I had to see it. 
even if just for the sake of, of peace of mind, to say that I had done my due diligence, I didn't leave a stone unturned, I got to see it so I can check it off my list because I want to be responsible. So we went the next day for a private showing and the house was incredible. It was like, okay, is this really in the price range I'm thinking? Found out later it was like way below market. They didn't know that, but we did. We did our due diligence. It was below market. It was like, I don't know, twenty or $30,000 below market value. But anyways, she was a nurse going to Texas and had a transfer so she had to peace out. So we went and we were like, really? Is this real? It was almost 2,600 square feet. 2,600. I mean, I was trying to get like 1,600, maybe 2,000. I have four of us just trying to get something, getting get there. Had granite, travertine floors. It was crazy. I mean, you pay a gazillion dollars just to get in a house. And then usually when you get in, you got to fix the thing, right? That's what we were expecting. We weren't expecting all that. It was like, whoa, that this is interesting. But you know what else was interesting? The house was dirty. It didn't show well. In fact, they had Airbnbers there. We're like, uh, we're here for the tour. Are you the seller? No. It was just, it just didn't show well. I mean, it was a beautiful home, but it was dirty. So I, I think that kind of worked in our favor because I think it turned off some buyers. But anyways, it was truly above and beyond anything I could have asked or imagined. So we decided that we were going to put down our first ever offer that afternoon. We had never put, we've looked at houses and we thought about putting offers down, but we hadn't put down one yet. So question, what do you think? And Debbie could probably answer this question. Debbie Bryson, what do you think the chances are that first time home buyers would get their first ever offer accepted on a home in Southern California? What are the odds? I don't know what they are. I try to look them up. I couldn't find them. I know it's slim. I know it's slim. So what I want to do is I want to show you the picture of the house and I want to read the word that God had given us. So sound ministry, just a picture. That's the house. Okay. Yeah. Right. Hello. And this is what God said. Check out the word of the Lord. Cause that's more important than the house. This is what he said. The Lord will hand over to you the people who live there and you must deal with them as I have commanded you. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God, okay, amen, listen to his authority. The Lord your God, he gives me chills, will personally go ahead of you and he will neither fail you nor abandon you. Hello. Now that's an apt word, right? Okay, Lord. So we put an offer down that afternoon. And then we were, it's just crazy. We were supposed to go to San Diego that night. Just it was the next day was July 4th. And we decided last minute we were going to take the boys to San Diego for a night. And we were just like, oh my gosh, my gosh, what's going to happen? And it was July 4th. We were driving home and God has got a sense of humor and drama. It's a day of freedom. And we got our offer accepted. And I wish I had time to tell you about the negotiations because God did some crazy miracles there. And I don't have time, but it was just like, whoa, another miracle. Whoa, whoa. Whoa. And so what I want to do on August 17th is two days. We were in escrow for 45 days. My birthday is on August 15th. We closed escrow on August 17th. And I'm going to show you a picture of us in our front of our 
You're the, for the first time going to our house, opening our front door. That's my hubby. I told you he was hot. <laughs> yes. Crazy Jesus. <laughs> There's my kiddos. That's Ezra. He's crazy, but I love him. And that's Ethan. He's my gentle little guy. Praise the Lord for easy ones. And that's us getting ready to open up our front door. I thought about giving you guys a little tour, but I was like, I didn't want to wear them out. This is too much. I almost did, though. I was like, they probably want to see it, all this talk. But, you know, I, I didn't. So, and then... And then I'll show you the next picture. This is just a picture of the crew that came and helped. That's our awesome Tammy. You guys know Tammy. And that's us. And some of the people my husband works for, this are Urbinas and just close friends. And they just were just troopers and were awesome. So that's us in our garage. Movers helping us. But so final point. It brings us to point number six. Last point here. The promise of God is always covered in his grace. The promise of God is always covered in his grace. Just like we read in Genesis 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for her what he had promised. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that this would be less about a house and more about you. And about promise. And how when you speak, Lord... Your words are true. And you do things, you make us wait, you test our character, and you do all these things for our betterment and for our best. But Lord, I pray for those who are in the season of waiting, God, that you'd strengthen them, that this would be a word of encouragement of who their God is, of who he is, and of his character, and of his goodness, Lord. I pray your blessing, Lord. I pray if they need to sing ye unto it, let them rise up, Lord, and create praise on their lips, Lord. Lord, we want to glorify you. Lord, we give you praise and we ask, God, for your blessing and your hand of promise to be fulfilled in our lives in your right time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good job, God. Right? Good job, God.